Hey, Christ Journey, I am so happy for us to be together, together today, wherever you are. Right where I am, where you are, we are inviting God's grace to fill that space, to fill this space, and then to draw us into fellowship with him. And you'll see why that's significant together in a moment as we begin this new message in a new series. But first, I want to ask this prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight and then be of blessing to your people. I pray that you would bless my words to be a blessing to others, and then as we share them together, that uh, you would feel our praises being a blessing to you as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, you know, the last time Lisa and I saw Old Faithful Geyser at Yellowstone National Park, Wyoming, it was a day of record-breaking cold. I mean, we're like Miami tropical heat spoiled. So snow is one thing, cold is another. I had this idea that we would take some winter vacation, rent some snowmobiles, and then drive them across the plain with a group to uh, Old Faithful Geyser that winter. It sounded great to me, like this little romantic adventure in the snow. Um, But the morning that we woke for our ride, it was 36 degrees below zero. Yes, minus 36 degrees. Super cold. And we were afraid that the ride was going to be called off. So I checked it out and they said, oh no, not until or unless it gets to 40 below. So we were on. And we went. And I can tell you this, Sarah Lee wasn't the only one with frozen buns that day. I can also tell you that Old Faithful still blew. Just like it always does. This spraying plume of steam 135 feet into the air. But that day, the spray that filled the air after, as the steamy water hit that freezing air, just looked like little luminescent ice crystals, diamonds sparkling in the sun and drifting down to the sky. I'd never seen anything like it. It was amazing. And of course, what else was amazing was that Old Faithful still blew and erupts like that every day of the year, 24-7, 20 times a day. Eruptions last like between one and a half to five minutes long. And uh, this 4,000, I mean, 8,400 gallons of, uh, of force, gallons, blasting up into the sky, temperature of like 200 to uh, 350 degrees Fahrenheit, 20 times a day, every day. You can count on it to erupt 20 times a day. It's faithful, constant, steadfast, unwavering. You can count on it. It's kind of like the sun. Sometimes we say of a person, oh, she's as faithful as the sun. You know, the sun is faithful. That means you can count on it. We count on the sun to rise every day, but we also depend upon it to do what it does every single day. At nasa.gov, there's an article entitled, The Sun and Us. And it begins with these words, quote, nothing is more important to us on earth than the sun. Without the sun's heat and light, earth would be a lifeless ball of ice-coated rock. The sun warms our seas, stirs our atmosphere, generates our weather patterns, gives energy to uh, 
growing green plants that then provide food and oxygen for life on earth, close quote. The scripture knows God to be faithful like the sun. And in fact, as sure as the sun comes up every morning, we are confident that God's mercies will never end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, Lamentations 3.23. In other words, God is like old faithful. Now, if you're like me, um, COVID season has been like this deep freeze, and I'm ready for a little thaw time, you know? We need the sun to come out and warm us up and then uh, bring us out of hibernation. We're praying for that right now. But, you know, Jeremiah, as he wrote those words, wrote this as the weeping prophet. He was in deep grief for his nation in need at that time. The capital city, Jerusalem, was at risk. Lamentations is a song of sorrow that he wrote about his heart breaking with the things that break the heart of God. And yet in the midst of this mourning soul, he says, God is faithful like the morning sun. And we can still count on his love even in our times of deepest distress. Apostle John says something similar in the Revelation. He finds the same comfort even in the end of the age, when Christ returns and the final battle is engaged, this is what he says, I saw heaven open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. Revelation 19.11, as the final battle is engaged, Christ our God reveals himself as faithful and true. Utterly trustworthy, Constant, steadfast, firm, unwavering, absolutely reliable, faithful. Now, in this series, I'm going to share some truths that just like leapt off the pages into my face and then led me to want to say, to feel something like this. Hey, you can't lose. There was, there was a meaning and a feeling that rose up like God is faithful, which means I'm going to get on the winning side of this equation. And not just in the super sad days of grief and loss that Lamentations wrote about, and not just in facing the days of challenge and spiritual warfare, even the final battle of the end of the age, but the everydays in our personal lives, in just knowing and growing in intimacy with God, with Jesus Christ. I want you to see why you can always have hope no matter what in your life, and it comes down to the reality of these three words. You know what they are? Here they are. God is faithful. Would you say those with me? God is faithful. God is constant. God is steadfast. God is trustworthy and true. Absolutely reliable. He can be no other. It is his essence to be faithful, it's core to God's brand. That's another way you could say that. You know, say, oh, oh, well, good for God. What difference does it make for me? That's what I'm excited to tell you about. This is the question we're going to be answering over the next few weeks. The series title is, You Can't Lose Because God is Faithful is the bottom line, then you can fill in the rest of that blank. You know how, because God is faithful, fill in the blank. You know how Paul filled it in, I can do all things. You can't lose. 
And we're going to see that just as the faithfulness of the Son provides for the physical and natural life on this planet because God's Son is faithful. We live and earth is warmed. Life is supplied because God is faithful. Our spiritual and supernatural lives are empowered and enlivened as well. Our lives don't depend upon our faithfulness. That's what the lesson is. But on God's faithfulness. Now, we have our part. You know, but it flows from the faithfulness of God. So I'm excited for you to see what God has been making clear to me. And look where it begins. 1 Corinthians 1.9. God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is what? Faithful. At the very heart of our faith is a living, loving, faithful God who calls a shepherd who his sheep know his voice, a father who speaks to his children even when they've wandered away, a creator who walks with his loved ones in the cool of the day, he speaks, he calls. The writer of Hebrews says this, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets many times in various ways, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by his son through whom he made the universe. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God speaks. God calls. I'm here today because there was a time in my life when I heard God call in my name. Now, not in an audible voice. It was much louder than that. But deep in my soul, perhaps you've heard that call. I heard it as a boy in church. I heard it again as a young adult, university student, in an apartment in Tempe, Arizona. I've heard it since many times. I've heard it in the beauty of nature. I've heard it in my living room, in the mornings, the time that I spend with God. I've heard it in my grandson Cedar's laughter. Listen to this. (laughs) I love that. I've heard God speak to me in worship at Christ's journey. Have you? Many of us have. In fact, responding to God's call when he speaks to you is how you become part of his church. The word for church is ekklesia. It's a Greek word that that means, it's a form of the word called. It, It means called out. God calls and we respond and the call to come out from the world, but it also means called to. Called to what? Well, this is what Paul tells us right here. 1 Corinthians 1.9, called to fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. What does fellowship mean? Fellowship means meaningful connection with others. It's the opposite of isolation and loneliness. It means healthy, personal connection with others. So Christian fellowship is where uh, we enter into a saving personal relationship that we have with God and then share with others in his church. We're called out of the world. We're saved from sin. We're saved from our fallen selves. And we grow as we are called into fellowship, koinonia, spiritual communion, Spiritual oneness with God and others. The oneness of spirit that we have with God and with one another. That's what Paul's talking about. The sense of belonging and identity that we share in Christ. 
The fact that, that we're part of him and he's part of us and we're all in this together. That's what fellowship is. We have been called into the experience of belonging and identity in the unconditional love of God in Jesus Christ. This is the good news. This is what the gospel is. The peace and gladness of heart, the sense of connection, the being needed and known uh, in our Christ journey community. That's the fellowship that we're being called to. And frankly, that's what we've been missing so much for so long in this season of COVID, isn't it? And it flows from this fact. God is faithful. Say it with me again. God is faithful. It's built upon this rock-solid foundation that God is faithful. And uh, that fact, I, I want you to see this. The New International Version, English translation of our calling into this fellowship, our belonging in identity in Christ, this sense of being needed and known. Look where it's sandwiched. It's sandwiched. Watch that word. In the middle of this statement of truth. Look at verse 9 again. God, that's like the first slice of bread, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, that's all the good stuff in the middle, is faithful. That's the other slice of the bread. So when we say, welcome to church, you know what we're actually saying? We're saying, welcome to the God is, the middle of the God is faithful sandwich that we're sharing together in fellowship. Let me tell you why that matters. Now, it mattered to the Corinthian people that the letter was first written to because as a people, they had, oh my goodness, they had problems. They had more than their share of problems. I mean, if you, you read through the letter, you'll find out they had marriage problems. They had man and woman problems in their culture, in their time, in their church. They had sexual immorality problems. They had church political problems going on. There was jealousy and divisiveness in the congregation. They had confusion over spiritual gifts and over what worship was to be about. And these and many more, many more. And yet this was a church with problems. Yet look at this. Paul starts his letter to them celebrating and focusing their attention not on their problems, but on their shared calling in Jesus Christ and this incredible truth. God is faithful. Their belonging and their identity in church, in the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ, wasn't built on their performance and not on their failed track record of success with God or with one another. You know what it was built on? It was built on God's character as faithful. Because God is faithful, we have fellowship with God and with one another. He doesn't say, because we all agree on everything. Because they didn't. He doesn't say, because we always treat each other with love and respect. Because they didn't. He didn't say, because we all have our theology worked out and we know how it all fits together. Because they didn't. But what he, by the way, neither do we, huh? Always room to grow. We get on each other's nerves sometimes. We get in each other's way sometimes. We uh, step on each other's air hose sometimes. But God is faithful. That's what Paul's trying to say here. That's why we have fellowship in Jesus Christ. Not because we're good, 
But because God is, God is faithful. Because God is faithful, we have fellowship with him and one another. And it's part of your birthday gift when you receive Christ. And so now we're to share the gift at the party, the fellowship party of the church, the gift of fellowship we share because God is faithful. Aren't you glad he is? I mean, I know I am, but that's just the beginning. Oh my goodness, there's more. And and we have time for one more of these today. And I think you're gonna love this. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Whoa, this is a big one, right? But look at it, because God is faithful. Did you see that? I mean, he is faithful and just right there in the middle once again, because God is faithful. My sins can be forgiven. Paul says, because God is faithful, I can have fellowship with him and others. John says, and because God is faithful, my sins can be forgiven. The cleansing of our souls, the purifying of our hearts, the forgiving of our sins, where does it come from? Yes, Jesus' death on the cross for sure, but how did that affect the forgiveness of God? The bedrock underneath it is this, God is faithful. That's where the victory came from. Faithful and just. The absolute reliability of God. God is trustworthy and true. God is uh, faithful and just. He is utterly righteous, good to his core. And because God is good, I am forgiven. You are too. Not because you're good, but because God is. Now, yes, there is my part. If we confess our sins. So our part is to confess our sins. By the way, not each other's sins. There's a lot of that going on these days. Have you noticed? Maybe you think you're not a sinner. Okay, well, may I invite you to think that, think about that again, only invite somebody else into the, the perspective to offer perhaps a comment there. I tease Lisa because uh, sometimes she loves to confess my sins. You know what I mean, guys? Um, she knows them. I mean, I get that. She knows where my shortcomings are. She knows where I fall short. I get that. But, um, but the cleansing that John is talking about comes to me when I confess. God's love and forgiveness flows clean and free in your life when you confess. Not somebody else's sins and failures, but your own mistakes, your own failures, your own propensities to sin. Which raises an interesting question. What does it mean to confess? Right? Um, it, it, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean simply feel bad. It doesn't mean feel bad about it. It doesn't mean beat yourself up and guilt yourself into submission until you feel bad enough. No. And it certainly doesn't mean act like it never happened. Uh, it means simply, the word means, say the same thing. Say the same thing. As who? As God says. Say the same thing God says about your sin. Well, what does God say about my sin? Well, he says four things. Number one, sins are real and they are mine. I'm not held responsible for yours, but I'm supposed to agree that they're mine. I have gone astray. I have turned to my own way. Number two, they are killing me and stuff in my life is dying because of them. That's what the scripture, the wages of sin is death. 
Number three, I can't fix it by myself. No amount of intelligence or good deeds on my part can undo the damage of my sin. But if I confess, if I confess, if I agree with God, if I say the same thing God is saying, sins are real, they're mine, they're killing me, I can't fix it by myself. And if I come in humility and honesty, then that means number four, say the same thing God says, I give my sins to Jesus. That's what God does with our sin. Jesus is the Lamb of, Bill, the Lamb of, the, of uh, God that takes away the sins of Bill's world and of your world. God puts our sins on Jesus and he wants us to agree with him and do the same thing. Just give them all to him. First, John chapter 1, verse 29. God is faithful. That's what John says. That means he's reliable. He's absolutely trustworthy. To what? To forgive. Forgive. What does that mean? That means release. It means send away. It means remit or pay in full. God has covered our sin problem. Number two, he says he will cleanse. He will forgive. He will cleanse. That means he will make pure. He will go deep. He will remove all intermingling filth. And then from God's perspective, you're wondering, how does he do that? It's amazing, but he does. And then all unrighteousness. You know what that means? Injustice. Injustice. Hurt, relational hurt, and divine disapproval. This is amazing. What this means is that God doesn't hold a grudge, but he goes to work to heal and to free in the realm of the interpersonal. Confession is the door that we walk through into the room of healing and freedom. And that's where God wants to meet us because he is faithful. Unrighteousness, those places where we bruise and offend one another, where we, we want to avoid the conversation sometimes because we think it's just going to be so hard. God says, I'll meet you in that room. Come through confession into freedom and healing. I will meet you there. If you saw the movie Braveheart, then you know the name Robert the Bruce. There's a story told from the 14th century where Robert the Bruce of Scotland was leading his men into uh, battle to gain freedom from England. And near the end of the conflict, in an effort to capture Bruce and then keep him from the Scottish crown, the English put his own bloodhounds on his trail. And as the dogs closed in uh, and Bruce could hear their baying um, on his trail, his attendants said, we're done for. You know, your dogs are on your trail. I wish I could say that in Scottish brogue. I'm not even going to try, but I can hear it. Your dogs are on your trail and will reveal your hiding place. And Bruce said, it's all right. And then he headed for a stream that was flowing through the forest, and he plunged in and then waded upstream a short distance when he came out on the other side. He was deep in the woods. Minutes later, the hounds, tracing his scent, the master's scent they were so familiar with, came to the bank where he had been, but went no further. The English soldiers prodded them on, but... They, uh, they couldn't go because the trail was broken. The stream had carried the scent away. Not long after that, the crown of Scotland rested on the head of Robert the Bruce. Now, sometimes the memories of our own sins 
can dog us. Right? I know my dogs sniff them out. Those memories know me because they were there when I did them. But there is a stream that flows with the blood of our Savior that can cleanse from sin, John says, and purify from unrighteousness. How do we know? Based on what truth? Well, this one, God is faithful. God is faithful. He is utterly trustworthy, constant, steadfast, true, unwavering, absolutely reliable, and your faithful God wants you in fellowship with him. That's why he calls. Not, he's not out to get you. He's out to forgive you and connect you and heal you and bring freedom. And not only does he want you and call you, he has done everything required to make the way for that to happen for you through forgiveness and for fellowship. Being forgiven and freed from sin isn't the end goal of the story. And it's not even the end of the story. It's a means to an end of living fellowship with God and meaningful connection with others in our lives. That's what God is up to personally and eternally. Being connected in healthy community with God and others in spite of our problems, in spite of our sins, it's part of the salvation gift that God has given us in Christ and he is seeking to bring you into everything he has for you and wants you to become by his faithfulness. And that happens by grace through faith. Your faith in his faithfulness. Faith in your faithful God. Now, there's more. I mean, this is just the beginning today. If you've ever wanted to know, how do I win battles with evil and temptation? Ah, oh, next time we get together, that's where we're going. If you've ever wondered, how, do I, how can I succeed through suffering? Oh, that's where we're going next after that. So I'm telling you, God's faithfulness is going to inspire. We will be instructed. We will be encouraged. And my promise is, I believe this is going to be true, that you might even find reason to feel this. You know, because God is faithful. I can't lose. You can't lose. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we so thank you for the profound depth and nature of your love. Love that is more faithful than the sun. Love that has given us life and then when we wandered to our own way and things went dark in our souls and in our lives, you came as the light of the world in Christ so that your son could shine on us once again and bring redeeming grace. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of salvation we have in Christ. Friend, if you have not yet trusted Jesus in the forgiveness of sins, then perhaps right now is the moment you could pray with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins according to your promise. Fill me with the life of your salvation as I trust you now to be my Savior and learn to follow you as my Lord. 
Now, perhaps others of us, you responded to God's call years ago, but today you're re-upping to the faithfulness of your God, to the connectedness of our fellowship and your desire to be free and clean because of God's forgiveness. Would you just ask him, Lord Jesus, right now, I am turning from my way to once again walk more closely in your way and praying, Lord, that you would connect us in fellowship soon so that in one space we could share the grace that you have given us in Christ. Kendall Campus, Gables Campus, all of those who've joined us through church online as well, Lord, may your grace meet us so that we could feel your closeness as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.